Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Explicit Restoration Podcast. We are a husband and wife team that are here to help you with your fight against the spiritual warfare of porn addiction in your marriage. And my name is Piper Post and my husband is here as well. My name is David Post. And we're so glad that you guys have joined us today. Today we're going to be responding to a video by Matt Walsh where he went on a little tangent or rabbit trail. He might have planned. He might have planned it out. I don't know. But where he talked specifically about his opinions on pornography addiction. He said that he was canceling, quote unquote, canceling the concept of porn addiction because porn addiction doesn't exist. And so (laughs) being that we have experienced the spiritual warfare of porn addiction in our marriage and in our home. And we have a ministry built on that. We felt like it was a good opportunity to give our response to some of his claims. So who is Matt Walsh? Matt Walsh is a right-wing conservative political activist, commentator, author, speaker. A lot of people know him. He's pretty well known, I feel like, yeah, he in has conservative a, circles. He's a regular contributor, has a show, podcast type of a thing on the Daily Wire. The Daily Wire is all conservatives. It's all conservative conglomerate of commentators, yeah. right? Yeah. Matt Walsh is a Christian, and he's very outspoken about it. One of the things that Piper and I both watched was a documentary called What is a Woman? And it was a really good documentary that deals with gender and gender identity. Yes, he has become pretty well known for being outspoken against transgender culture and transgender ideology and coupling that some with his faith and some with just conservative ideals. So there are a lot of things about Matt Walsh and what he talks about and what he believes in that we agree with. But obviously, we're going to have some things in this episode that we share that we don't agree with. Otherwise, why would we make this episode? (laughs) But we want to say, Matt Walsh, you're probably not listening. But if you are, there's so many things that we respect about you. And we are just speaking from a place of experience and a place of our heart and appreciate you and so much about the things that you are trying to do, even some of the things that you believe about porn that we do agree with. So let's jump into those. One of the things that I really liked about what he said was that if he could do it, he would ban porn altogether. And a lot of it dealt with because it's so readily available for our children. And Mm -hmm. we have to really work on not being afraid to step up and try to help create some kind of barrier, some kind of age restriction or something that will help with that. One of the things I really liked is that he said he would ban it, but he knows that it can't happen. And so he was trying to make some other things that were going on. He very quickly states what his whole point of this section of the video, which we'll put a link to the video in our show notes if you want to go watch that before you finish listening to this episode or after. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it too as well. And we're okay if you disagree with us. But he very quickly steps into saying that anyone can stop porn at any time because they can stop at any time. It's not an addiction. So (laughs) there are so many things that we love about what he said, but obviously straight out of the gate, we don't think that this is true. And if somebody can stop porn, they either weren't addicted 
which means they didn't have that habitual experience of going to porn in terms of medicating or covering up a trauma or fulfilling a hole in their life or simply God chose to set them free that day. And he can do that. He's God. We do know of people that have wanted to be free from porn and from one day to the next, they believe that God delivered them. But that is definitely the exception to the rule that most people that we've worked with, that we've read about, that we've talked to have to take the recovery journey one day at a time and have to work a process to be able to overcome using porn. In the last episode, one of the points that we made was that addiction is often mistaken to be a simple issue of self-control. And there's a lot of understanding that, yes, self-control is a piece of it because you have to be willing to stop. But it is not something a lot of times that you just automatically have is the self-control to stop whatever the addiction is. The thing that Matt Walsh came out with was that it's just as simple as that. Yeah. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop doing what you're doing. You don't like it. You know it's not good for you, so just stop. Just stop. Find something else that you really want to do and go do that instead. But one of the things that I really liked that he had to say that we both agreed on was this stance that porn is cyber prostitution and can be branded under the same pretense as just normal prostitution. As in-person prostitution. He says that porn is basically a cyber form of prostitution. And I don't think I had put it in terms in my head like that, but it is so true. There are reasons why prostitution is illegal. And initially, historically, it was because of public health. But over time, what society has learned is that prostitution is very victimizing and degrading to women and to children in some cases, and obviously leads to human trafficking of all different types. And human trafficking that to the naked eye doesn't even look like human trafficking, which is a lot of times where pornography comes in. Just like prostitution, porn is degrading to the people that view it, even the actors, the actresses, the producers, the people that film it, the editors. There's so many aspects of it that say the same thing that prostitution does. Right. Porn absolutely glorifies in sexual immorality and it glorifies in the sexual immorality of everyone involved in the process of making that video or making that website all the way from the conception of the video to the consumer. At some point, you've got to be willing to admit if you are using porn, you are feasting on the sexual immorality that other people are committing. This whole thing goes back to even the Ten Commandments where it says don't lust after your neighbor's wife or even coveting his things. Mm -hmm. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to think about it in this term, but lust is the same thing as adultery. It is getting to that point. And for people that consume porn, we don't think of it and we don't want to think of it that way. What is thought of is oh, they did it to themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay for me to to be a porn actress. Yeah. But the thing that we're finding out as we do research that a lot of those, even a lot of the women are trafficked Mm -hmm. to be there. They're forced to do these films. 
And it's not that they want to, but it's what they have to do. Well, even if it wasn't trafficking, people often bring up the occurrence of sites like OnlyFans, where it's individuals choosing and they're setting their own rates and people can pay to be a part of viewing them that people call this ethical porn because they are saying that 100% this is what they want to do for their living even if trafficking isn't a part of it at all, you cannot get away from the fact that person is not living up to who God made them to be in yeah. his image. And you are basically feasting on their sexual immorality and feasting on the degradation and how far they have fallen from who their creator created them to be. From here, he switched into this idea that all addiction has a clinical definition and the clinical definition is basically that it affects your body in a way that you can't keep from doing it. It becomes such a thing that's in you that you can't stop. And his thing was, if you can just will yourself to stop, then it's not an addiction. He says, if you incentivize it enough, people will stop. His example was, if you went to somebody and said, I'll give you a million dollars, if you will abstain from watching porn for a week. A lot of people, most people would probably say, yeah, I can do that. But and they where, probably could. And they probably could. Yeah, exactly. And I think where it ends up missing the mark is what happens on the eighth day? Mm -hmm. I got through the week, I get my million dollars, but on the eighth day, just because I did it for a week doesn't mean that I'm going to continue and that it's going to continue. Most likely, you get through the week, you get your million dollars, and guess what you want to do? You want to celebrate. And you celebrate by doing that thing, in this instance, watching porn. We agree that, yes, it can be incentivized to a point, but... But that doesn't... sobriety is not the same as recovery. Yeah. Being able to just stop doing something isn't the point because it's about the state of your heart and the healing journey that you go on to unpack all of the things that led you to porn or to whatever in the first place. I wanted to agree with him. And at a certain point in this section of the video, all of his arguments hinged on this analogy of the incentivization, meaning that it's not an addiction. To a certain extent, I agree with him, but it just doesn't make sense. So let me point out a few problems with this line of thinking. First of all, it's a straw man defense. So he puts up this thing that can be easily proven and then knocked down. He puts up a straw man and then knocks him over. Well, obviously a man made of straw is not going to be able to hold his ground very well. And so he says, okay, if you compare it to a heroin addict or an alcoholic, they can't stop. Even if you did incentivize them with a million dollars to stop for a week, they can't stop because their physical withdrawal symptoms could potentially end their life because they are so severe. They also have not recovered just because they have maintained sobriety. And just like a porn addict or a food addict, when David and I were discussing this, I said, one of my areas that I struggle is with food addiction. And if somebody paid me a million dollars, I could go the whole week without eating. Easy. It wouldn't even yeah. be a problem. <laughs> Sign me up for that. But that does not mean that I have overcome my addiction. All it means is that I've abstained for a week. 
It's not a helpful solution for someone that's struggling, and especially for someone that's trying to overcome sin. You can't just say, if I give you a million dollars for a week, that you're going to stop that sin, and that sin will never come back into your life. It's not that easy. Right, and it's potentially harmful, too, because it puts the listener in this position of thinking, yeah, I just have to find what incentivizes me, but oh, well, nobody's ever going to pay me a million dollars to do that. There's no helpful thing there. There's nothing to learn and there's nothing to help the person who is struggling, whether or not you want to believe they're an addict, even if they're just a habitual porn user. There's nothing helpful about saying, if I gave you a million dollars, I bet you could do it. That's not real life. That's not a real solution for anybody. No, you cannot put all addictions against the clinical definition that he was using. His whole argument was based around that once an addict starts something that they can't control. Right. And I understand why he did that because it helped with the point that he was trying to make. And there's something on the cusp of what he's saying that I love and that I agree with. That's because historically terms like addiction and recovery were about people who used illegal drugs or people who use prescription drugs. And then later on, by Alcoholics Anonymous, it was adopted into their language too, and that's where the 12 Steps of Recovery was created, with the very first book written for Alcoholics Anonymous. So I understand why he's falling back on saying that it doesn't meet the definition, the historical definition of addiction, but we have to remember that language evolves over time, and even thought and definition evolve over time. And there's a whole host of harmful habits that can become addictive to us because sin is addictive. Many, many sins are addictive. Otherwise, we wouldn't need Jesus to die on the cross. If we could just overcome them because we decide today I'm going to overcome this, why would we need Jesus? Why would we need him today? Why would I need the gospel today which I do. I need it today just as much as the day that I first believe. And I have to rely on his sacrifice today for my addictive sin today. I think that not only do you get the term of porn addict, but now you get all kinds of things. Shopaholics is somebody that is addicted to shopping, that Mm. that is what makes them feel good. And that's what gives them the high. Gamblers There's a reason that there's a Gamblers Anonymous is because it's an addiction and people that get into that actually can't stop themselves because once they win, they feel like they can win again. And if they lose enough, then they have to win to get back to zero. In the past, addiction dealt with chemical dependence basically of some kind, but now there's so much more to that. Yeah. And back to his scenario, We've already stated this, but let me just state it again. If you could be incentivized, then the incentivization should last forever. And abstaining wouldn't be the goal. The goal would be recovery. And you cannot incentivize recovery because it's a journey. It's a process. It's one day at a time, one moment at a time, following a plan of laying down all of your burdens, laying down all of your sins 
and admitting that you're powerless over them and one by one allowing Jesus to come in and heal those areas of your heart and create new and healthy habits and make amends with people that you've hurt and all of those things. So addiction is more than just a physical response that you have when you stop doing something. It's way more. It doesn't exist just in the body. It exists in the heart. You want a t-shirt that represents your faith, but you want one that's actually funny and compelling. It's not tough to find. You just need to go online to happyholydays.shop. It's where you'll get unique, whimsical, kid and adult-sized shirts designed with your faith in Christ in mind. Happy Holy Days believes Christian shirts should be stylish and original, and perfect for all kinds of occasions, which is why Happy Holy Days updates the shirts for every season. That way, you always have a topical selection of cool shirts ready to wear. And do you want more than t-shirts? Well, at Happy Holy Days, you can also get sweatshirts and hoodies if that's your style. Share what you believe and believe in what you wear. Buy online now at happyholydays.shop. That's happyholydays.shop. One of the points he tried to make was saying that if we will just find the thing that we really want to do, if you're somebody that likes to mountain bike or likes to run, then just stop what you're doing and go do that. Or if your whole dream is that you want to help people that are homeless, then he's just stop watching porn and go do that. <laughs> and it's not that simple. Porn also occurs on a spectrum. And a lot of times the spectrum begins with the simple objectification of women. And that can even be women with their clothes on. How during this supposed week of, if you can abstain, I'll give you a million dollars. Is it just a man in a cabin by himself in the middle of the woods with no interaction with women and no, no, TV, internet, no internet, no TV, no sitcoms, nothing that could possibly have any type of sexual innuendo whatsoever? Or is this guy still going out his normal daily life? Is he still logging on to his computer? Is he still watching TV with his wife? Is he still being confronted by commercials, by targeted ads on social media that are designed to draw him in to things like pornography, designed both by the creators of those and crafted by our enemy Satan? Is he able to abstain then when he's still living in all of those things? Is the million dollars enough? Or has he had to put in boundaries? Has he had to put in things that we consider components of recovery in order to abstain for that period? As you can see, we're beating a dead horse here, but there are so many things that we love about this video, but also just a few things that we don't agree with. I love that there is somebody else willing to speak against the darkness of pornography. I hope Matt Walsh will listen to other porn addicts and their experiences and what type of withdrawal symptoms they did have, physical and non-physical, and what it took for them to actually overcome in a sense of being recovered from that addiction and not just being sober. This is not bashing Matt Walsh. Oh, yeah. This is not, not bashing him saying He's that he... He's actually really brave to say all of the things that he says. Yeah, so. we're not bashing that he wants to cancel this whole thing of porn addiction, but I think that there's many times we have to understand more than what is just right in front of us, that a clinical definition of something like this isn't the end all of everything. We agreed with a lot of things. Like you said earlier, he wants to ban it. Let's ban it. 
put an age restriction on it. There's a lot of little things like that that he said, and we agree with him. We just wanted to cover this real quick and give our thoughts on this. And we'd love to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are on this clip. And maybe you feel like we are just way out in left field all by ourselves. Yeah, maybe you agree with him. And if that is... We can handle it. We'd love to hear from you. And we're just glad that people are willing to have this conversation. We're big enough adults that we can handle it, no matter what is said. And people want to disagree with us on a lot of things, and I'm sure people do. I had a guy that disagreed on me one time when I was trying to share about what I felt is some of the steps to helping somebody overcome a porn addiction. And he completely disagreed with me. And I'm like, that's fine. That's your take on it. This is my take on it. And so we can handle whatever you have to say. Before we end the show, we need to do a check-in. A check-in is just an opportunity for you as a husband and wife to just share what's going on in your life so that you both understand what's going on. Sometimes we don't get a chance to really share with each other. And this is an opportunity to really pour out from the heart if you want to of what's going on and just seeing how each one of us is feeling. And there's many ways of doing it. So today, what are we going to do? I think we should do highs and lows again. We've done that for the last couple of episodes, but this time let's talk about the last week. So sometimes we do check-ins every day and you might want to employ them every day. Sometimes once a week is enough, but you need to make sure that you're getting into the nitty gritty and really talking about things at the heart, especially if you're looking over the past week. So let's focus on our check-in just on our relationship with each other. And be willing to be a little vulnerable and open and share about the last week and some highs and lows with each other. Okay. Does that sound good? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, that sounds great. I think we can do that. Okay, then you go first. All right. (laughs) I would say that my low this week was we're really trying to be stricter on our budget and things are especially groceries and other things are just way out of control. And we also have an issue with eating out. Mm -hmm. And so over the past couple months, I think that we've been living beyond our means and it just comes to a head sometimes when you realize when one doesn't really watch the bank account or we more than anything that, Sometimes I look at the bank account and I spend from that. And I know that that is not how you like to do it. And I know that can cause some friction because then when you see things that aren't where it should be, or you feel like it should be, it really can get you upset. And I think that is the one thing that I want to work on is for us to stay within our budget. So that upset feeling is not there between us. Yeah, I agree. And I have a different low, but I'm really glad that you brought that up because that was a really hard moment this week. And I can feel unsafe when our finances aren't managed like I think they should be or like I thought we agreed to. And I can start to feel like a fish out of water. Like, what do I do? And how do I get this back on track? And we want to spend money on different things or save money in different ways. And so is there anything that I can do for you or for us to help in that area? I think we just need to go back to what we had been doing earlier in the month. And that is sitting down pretty much every day and making sure that we have everything tracked in our budget program that we use so that we both understand where we are on everything. Okay. 
I think I can do that. So my low is that I'm an early riser and I really love that time mm -hmm. that I have in the morning with the Lord. We had gotten into what I thought was a lovely habit of you waking up about an hour after me. And we had this side-by-side -side coffee time, reading our Bibles, and we'd talk a little bit about what we're reading and just a little bit of quiet connection without being too in your face, just knowing you were there and we could talk about our day or pray together, read the word, or even just sit side by side. And we've both been sick with colds and you've been sleeping a lot more. And I've really been missing that side by side time. And I realized that it really affects my day because once you do get up later and the kids are already up, it's time to get the guys ready. We're off and running. And then I don't get that connection with you the rest of the day. And it can make me feel like out of sorts. And I know that one day, especially I really felt like you were purposefully staying in bed and it was just getting into my head. That's why is he still in bed when he's supposed to be out here with me? <laughs> so that was my low. I know we need to get back into that rhythm that we were in, but when you feel bad, you want to go to bed and I know I want to be compassionate and you need sleep and all that. But then selfishly, I also want that time with you. I understand. So my high for this week was dun, that dun, dun. that you and I got a chance to sit there at dinner one night and we got to play a game. Just the two of us played this game for a while. Mm -hmm. And we are becoming more and more of a game family. And there are certain games that we really like to play. And one of these games was just a game that none of the kids wanted to play. And so you and I were like, well, we're going to play it together then. And it was a lot of fun, just the two of us to play against each other and just have fun with it. Aw, thanks, babe. That was really fun. So my high was more of a, is more of a private nature. I have noticed that despite how sick we have been, we're in a season where we're doing really well with our relationship and our connection and our emotional intimacy with each other and honesty with each other. And that led to some really great times between us in bed where I felt unhindered. And as a betrayed wife with a porn addict husband in recovery, over the span of our life, it hasn't always felt like that for me. And I haven't always been willing to engage in having sex. And so I'm really grateful that we're in a season right now where God is working in both of us and blessing us in that area. I would have to say that was one of the highs too for me. Overall, it's been a pretty good week with us. Yeah. Even despite all the things that are going on, I feel that we are starting to find the joy in all the situations that we have around us. Are they frustrating sometimes? Yes. Does sometimes that sin nature creep out in us? Yes. But in a lot of ways, we've had a pretty good week. And so I'm really grateful that we have had that. So, well, that was our show for this week. And that was our chicken. We want to say thank you for listening to us. And as always, you can find more information on explicitrestoration.com. And on there, you will find both the links to the men's support group and also for the wives support group. Go check it out. Men 
don't be afraid to join the support group. It's just going to be a time for us to try to help each other and keep each other accountable. And we really need to figure this thing out. So if you would join, I'll be on there more and more commenting. So come join us. You can also always reach us by email. We love getting emails from listeners and some people like to send in questions that you want us to talk about in episodes or you just want to hear more about something. We love to connect and engage with you whenever we can. And at the very least, we will pray for you and try to respond for every email we receive. So husbands, please email my husband, David at explicitrestoration.com. And wives, I want to hear from you. So please email me, Piper at explicitrestoration.com. Thank you guys. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye, y'all.